Hallelujah. Come on, give God glory tonight. Lift your hands to the King of Kings. He's the King of Kings and the Lord our Lord. And He's mighty. Jesus, why don't you take a seat? Why don't you take a seat tonight? I want to ask you a question. Do you know my King? Do you know Him tonight? He's the coming King. He's the King of all kings. And He's the name above all names. There's no name greater than Jesus Christ. And tonight, if you don't know Him, the end of this meeting, I want to introduce you to Him. Because He's the refuge of my soul. You know what? He loves you tonight. He loves you more than words can say, more than thoughts can comprehend. He loves you. And He has a plan tonight and a purpose for your life. There's a scripture in the Word, in the Bible, and it says this. It says, forget the former things. For I am doing a new thing in your midst. God is doing a new thing in the earth, but you know what? He's doing a new thing in Bay City. Do you perceive it? Do you see it tonight? Tonight, He wants to do a new thing in your life. He wants to renew your spirit. And He wants to bring restoration to your soul tonight. Are you hungry for Him? Tonight, you know what? I've got, I've got words. I've got thoughts. But tonight what we need is a touch from the hand of the living God. You want that tonight? Why don't you just lift your hands where you are now? We're not going to do this as a religious act. But tonight we're going to do this as an act of surrender to Jesus Christ. Jesus, we invite you. We thank you that your presence is already in this place. Lord, we say, come. God, come and fill every thirsty soul. Your word says, they that hunger and thirst, they shall be filled. So tonight, fill every hungry heart. Fill tonight every thirsty soul. Father, every word that's of you tonight, let it live. And every word that is not of you, God, let it fall to the ground and die. Father, we want you. We want you, Lord. We want you, Lord. Make a way tonight in the wasteland in people's lives. And you make rivers in the desert of our souls. You make a way in the wasteland in streams and rivers. Lord, let the river of God overflow in this place tonight. Lord, we submit our lives to you. Do a new thing. We all said amen. Amen. You agree tonight. You know what? All I've got is a bunch of words, but Jesus Christ wants to make the difference in your life tonight. So I want to encourage you, position yourself for him to move. Position yourself in your heart. Say, God, move in my life. Revolutionize my life. I want to be new. I want to change. I know this, that this year God is on courageous decisions. I know that there is a grace for people that say, no matter what's happened, 
no matter what's happened in my past, no matter, I believe there's people here tonight and you think, man, I, I've made so many mistakes. I don't know, I just, I don't know anymore. I don't know whether God's got anything for me. But tonight I know he wants to make a way in your wasteland and he wants to make streams in the desert. As people here tonight, I believe, believe you're discouraged, you've been in a place of discouragement and you feel like you've been walking alone in areas in your life I believe there's people here and there's a drought in your heart you feel like there's nothing left, you've had a dream but you feel like the dream's died tonight I believe there's people here too and you've been believing for a breakthrough in areas of your life, but at the moment there's no evidence of it, you know what God wants to meet with you tonight He wants to encourage you. Tonight, I want to give you keys. I want to give you keys on how to walk in a season where you're in a valley. I want to give you keys tonight of how to walk in the wilderness. Because you know what? God hasn't finished with you tonight. God has called you tonight to live. He has not called you just to exist. He has not called you tonight just to take up space. He has not called you tonight just to come to church. He wants you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. But you know what? Much more than that. Before all of that, He wants relationship with you. And I don't think sometimes we know how much He wants it, but He wants. See, He already knows you. But He wants you to know Him. We've got a good God. Sometimes we bring God down to our level and we think that He's angry and judgmental. You know what? They're our ways. We think he's unforgiving, but God is so merciful. He's so merciful. He's the God of second chances tonight. You know, the way you respond when you're in a season where it's hard, where you're in a dry season, where you're in a season of a valley determines so much. And I want us just to look for a moment at uh, just, you know, even in the natural, when you look at a valley, a valley is usually position between two mountaintops, two high places. And the valley is a low place. So in the natural, it's a low place. It's often dark. It's often cold. It's often exposed to the elements. You know, something that's interesting about a valley is it's often hard to see a long way off. When you're on a mountaintop, you get to be able to see and survey all that's going on. But when you're in the valley... Sometimes it's hard to see ahead. Sometimes we lose the ability to see what God's doing. I know there's been times I've done that. I have been walking in a dry time and I lose the ability to see what God's doing in the midst of it. Valleys can be places, deserts, wildernesses. They can be places where they look like there's no hope and it's dead. But I want to tell you tonight that the valley is the place of hope. That the transforming, you, the transforming power of God can move in your life if you're in a season that is difficult. And you know what? It comes down to this. It comes down to a choice. You choose. You decide. If you allow the hand of God to come around your life, God will transform you in your place of dryness, in your place of the wilderness, in your place of the desert. I said before, He says, He promises this, I will make a way in the wasteland and I will make streams in your desert because I'm doing a new thing 
I want us to turn, if you've got your Bible with you, I'd love you to turn with me to Ezekiel 37. If you haven't got it, don't worry, I'll read it out. And this is a description, it was a, it was, it's a prophetic picture that God gave to Ezekiel um, for the nation of Israel, and they were in a terrible place. They were scattered, they had no hope. And so in verse 1 it says this, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. I want to tell you tonight, they weren't the bones of animals. They were the bones of men. Men and women that once walked with the living God. Men and women that had a dream and had a vision. And it doesn't say how those bones got there. But where Ezekiel was and where he walked, there were tremendous amount, piles and piles of bones, dead men. You know what was there with them was their dreams, dead dreams, in a valley, no hope. Maybe that's you tonight. Dreams that had once lived and had potential, but now they sit scattered in a valley, hopeless. In verse 2 it says this, And he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. What is it that causes a bone to be dry? What causes a bone to dry out? You know what it is? It's, It's long exposure to the elements. It's long exposure to heat. It's long exposure even to wind, to the air. When you're in a hard season, Who or what do you allow to influence your life? What atmospheres do you allow to come around you when you're in a hard season? What kind of people do you allow to influence your life when you're in a season of the valley? I know this, it's very, very easy to get caught up when you're in a hard place, to get caught up with negative people and judgmental people and people who are struggling with the same things and it's very easy to come into agreement with lies with the lies of the enemy you know what we're going to learn how to make conscious decisions when we're in hard places to boundary our relationships and to boundary the things we listen to and the things we expose ourselves to first key I want to give you tonight when you're walking in a valley is this, is to acknowledge the valley. I want to tell you why. Because you've got to know your season. You need to know what season you walk in because you need to know how to stand in that season. You need to know how to walk and you need to know what weapons you need for the task at hand. You need to know. I need to know how to gird myself. Valleys are part of our Christian walk. They're part of the refining process that God takes us through to grow us into mature sons and daughters. I love in, um, most of you will know this verse in Psalm 23. I love this verse. David says it. And he says this. He says, even though I walk through, actually he says, yea though. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what he's doing? He's acknowledging the valley. In other words, he's saying, even though I walk 
through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you know I was doing a, a, just some reading on the background of the scripture? And it says this, the kind of valley he was walking through was not, he was not talking about a mere shadow. It says that the blackness of that place was like being in Hades itself. It was a place of no light, the darkest dark. It was a lonely place. It said it was, the, it was darkness like midnight where the beasts are hunting their prey. And he says, even though I walk, he acknowledges the season that he's walking in. And the second thing he does is this, is he, he says this, he says, I will fear no evil. How does somebody do that? How does somebody, when they're walking in the blackest darkness, what about you tonight? Maybe there's an area in your life where you feel like I'm walking in the blackest darkness and I don't know what to do. Yet David says, I fear no evil. You know how he can do that? It's because he's connected to someone greater than himself. He says, because you are with me. Tonight, not only acknowledge your season, but you need to be connected to your life source, which is Jesus Christ. You need to be in relationship with him while you are walking through your valley. He says, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You know something? Fear paralyzes. Fear. Fear tonight. I know what it does to me if fear comes around my life. It causes me to be irrational. Some of you that know me will know that I don't like rodents very much. And when I see, even when I see a picture of a rodent, it just wouldn't be funny for you to play a practical joke on me, by the way. Um, but actually, all reason goes out the door. All reason just flies out the window. The other night, one of our kids came into our room in the middle of the night, and they were frightened. You know what? Rationality. They were lost. There was no rationality. That's what happens when fear comes around our lives. Fear, fear of people. Fear of what people will think can stop you walking in the things of God. Fear of the opinions of man, fear of poverty will stop you being the big person God's called you to be. Fear of losing relationship will stop you risking being honest in a relationship with friendships, with families, in your marriage. The fear will bind you up. David says this, he says, I fear no evil. I love in the end of the scripture, it says that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know what? This is not the rod of correction they're talking about. What he's talking about is that the rod, the staff of God comes around and it not only guides him along that pathway where he can't see, but it keeps out the enemy. Tonight, we need to stay in vital relationship with Jesus Christ so that his staff can comfort us, so that he can keep out the enemy and he can guide us when we're walking through the darkest places. You know what? There's so many valleys that we can walk through. There's so many wildernesses that God can take us through. You know, one of them in the Bible, and she's one of my heroes, is the woman with the issue of blood. And if you don't know that story really quickly, it says that she, she bled for 12 years. She was considered unclean. She was an outcast in society. Probably she had no friends. Her family would have disowned her. No income. She had nothing. You know why? 
because she was considered unclean. She couldn't come near anyone. For 12 years, she stayed like that. That's a valley. That's a valley. There's another one, Hannah. I love the story of Hannah. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like Hannah. Hannah was waiting for a promise. Hannah wanted to have a baby. And you may be here tonight and you may be believing for, for the release of a baby in your life. Or maybe you're here tonight and you, you're believing for another type of promise. You know what? Every time she believed and, and she saw no evidence of God, you know what happened? Penaniah, who, um, who was having, who was her husband's other woman, she was having as many babies. She was as fruitful as they, as they come. She was having baby after baby. You know what? She mocked Hannah with the things she had. And she mocked Hannah with her lack. Maybe tonight you're here. You feel like the enemy mocks you in your lack. In the place where you step out and you believe God. And the enemy comes and he mocks you in your lack. You know what? God wants to set you free tonight. Because you tonight, you may be walking through a valley. And God wants to refine you in that place. Just really quickly tonight, you know, um, when the time came for, for Dave and I, we decided we wanted to start a family. We believe God for a family. And um, it, it was a great celebration when I said today, guess what, we're having a baby. You know what? Eight weeks later, I, I'm, I lost the baby, I miscarried. And I felt mocked by the enemy. I felt like I was walking through a valley and I didn't understand why. I couldn't fathom why would this happen. And you know what? I decided I, I walked through this valley and God did so much in my life through it. And you know what? He was faithful and then God gave us our, our first daughter and her name actually means promise of God. And, um, and I thought, I made a declaration. I said, God, I thank you for what you've done and I thank you tonight that this will never happen to us again. You know what? And then we had Madison. And after we had Madison, then I was pregnant again. And I was so excited. And you know what? For some reason, we don't know why, but we lost that baby too. You know what? It was a season of feeling the tremendous mock of the enemy. Where Sunday after Sunday, I'd stand up here and worship lead. But in my heart, I felt mocked. Because the very thing that I wanted most was to be a mum. I felt like the enemy mocked me at every turn. But you know what? I want to tell you this, that God refined me through that process. I walked by faith through that process. And you know what? My God is a faithful God. We have two sons that are in heaven. We have two boys, Ezra and Judah. You know what? And I've seen both of them. And they are, they are so dear to us. They are so real to us. But you know what? God will not be mocked. God in you will never, ever, ever be mocked. Jesus. You know what? There's other kinds of uh, valleys. Esther. Esther was in a preparation valley. She was in a preparation season. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel the call of God in your life, but you feel like you're just always preparing and always being refined. You know what? Stay the course because God is preparing you for things ahead. He has got you in a refining process. There's one that I love, and this is one that um, when I first got saved, I saw the scripture, and it's in Psalm 84, and it talks about the valley of Baca, and the word Baca means sorrow, means tremendous sorrow. Do you know, for the people to go up to worship, for them to have a new encounter with God, they had to pass through 
the valley of Baca. They had to pass through a season of great sorrow to get up to that place. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're in a season of sorrow tonight. Maybe you're in a season of great grief. Jesus Christ is your source tonight. You know what? A valley is a transition. It's a transition place between the old and the new. It's the place of refining. It's the place... You know what? Um, I, I am amazed at when you really study what a caterpillar does and in that process when it goes into a cocoon. We all know what happens. It becomes an amazing butterfly. But what would have happened if a caterpillar decides one day to rebel? What would happen? What would happen on the way? What would he be? Half caterpillar, half butterfly? And I wonder whether some of us tonight, we get stuck halfway. We get stuck between the old and between walking into the new. You know what? David, um, Dave and I were talking last night about the transitions that God takes us through. You look at David in the Bible. He was anointed as king when he was a young shepherd boy. But God couldn't use him straight away. God had to take him through a process of huge upheavals of, well, he talks about the shadow of death. And, and it says that it's dark, as dark as Hades. He went through huge, where, where people were uh, after his life. You look at the, uh, the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, God had to take the slave mentality out of them so he could make them into rulers. What about you tonight? What, what transition, what season, what valley is God taking you through now? A second key I want to give you tonight is this. It's really easy to saturate yourself in the Word of God. You know what? Feelings are created by the living God. They are great things. But when we're in a hard place, sometimes feelings can be overwhelming. Feelings are real and they are valid. But you know what? They're not always accurate. I may feel that you don't like me tonight because maybe you were busy and you didn't smile at me when you walked past me. But you know what? It may not be true. I may feel like when I'm in the valley, I may feel like when I'm in a season of a dry place that God isn't with me. But I know what His Word says. And His Word says this. He says, I will never, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. You may feel alone tonight in the valley, in a desert, in a dry place, but he says, I will never leave you. Even if you feel alone, he says, I won't leave you. I won't ever leave you. I won't ever, not for a moment, not for a breath, I won't ever take my eyes off you. We need to saturate ourselves in the word of God so we can use it as an anchor for our soul. You know what counts in the valley is what he says. Not what I think, not what I feel, not what the enemy says, and not the opinions of men. What counts is what he says to you in the valley. A third thing I want to say to you is this. In the valley is don't stop. Don't camp. Keep walking. Don't quit. When you're in the season of wilderness, don't get stuck like a, like a caterpillar that's rebelling. Don't get stuck. Don't quit tonight. Do you know something interesting? When you read in the Bible about valleys, often it talks about that there are places to pass through. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm walking through. 
I'm not stopping. He doesn't stop. He acknowledges his season. He connects to his life source and he continues to walk by faith. In, in Psalm 84, where it talks about the valley of Baca, the place, the valley of sorrow, he says, he says, when I pass through, he says, I don't set up camp. Maybe the night you're here and you feel like, ah, I just want to quit. It's too hard, too hard tonight. Valleys were never, ever intended for you to, to set up camp. They were never intended for you to park up. Valleys were never places to quit. Maybe you're here tonight, you just want to say, God, get me out of here. Get me out of, I want relief from my situation. Just give me something. You know what? I love something Pastor Mike said this morning, that God is God is forming kings tonight. God wants you to rule and reign. God wants you to walk in the fullness of all he has for you tonight. Sometimes the process on the way burns us and refines us and makes us into the men and women that he's called us to be. The next key is this, is don't look back. I want to, this one's really important. I want to stress this to you. Don't look back when you're in a season of hardness, when you're in a season of dryness, when you're in a desolate place. Don't look back. One of the traps is, is that when it's hard, we, we want to look back to the old things. Uh, a really um, a scripture that I find incredibly um, sobering, and I know Lynn likes that word. Every time I say it, she laughs. But it is, it's incredibly sobering, is um, the scripture, and it's found in, I believe, it's found in Genesis 19. It's the story of Lot and his wife. And they're in an awful city, a city full of um, uncleanness and sexual depravity. It's awful. It's a, it's a demonic place. And God sends two angels there. And the people riot at Lot's house. It's it's awful. If you read the account, they rioted his house, wanting the two angels to come out because they didn't know that they were angels. And they wanted to do awful, incredibly unclean things. And God decides, he sees Lot's heart and he spears him. He says, I'm going to destroy the city. The city has no good in it. I will destroy this place. And he says to Lot, take your wife and take your family and leave this place. And he gives him a warning. He says, don't look back. You know what? When they fled, Lot's wife turns and looks back to Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what happens? She turns into a salt pillar. Can you believe that? What tonight are your eyes fixed on? Don't look back when you're in the valley. It is so easy. You know, when we're dealing with sin issues in our lives, Sometimes what's hap- what happens is that we're still in love, actually, with the thing we're trying to get rid of. And so we look back to it all the time because we've never been this way before. So we don't know how to walk without it. I was talking to a, a dear friend the other night, and we were talking about this issue, about sometimes they're not even so much sin issues, but issues of things like fear. That it's easier to walk with my old friend called fear because he's like an old comfortable blanket than to leave it behind and to walk without it and to trust God. We don't know what's ahead. It feels vulnerable when you leave those things behind, when you leave rejection behind. 
when you leave self-pity behind, when you've always lived with it, and it's always when you're in a hard place, it's the thing you flick into. Do you know what I'm talking about tonight? Some of us, all of us at times, we've got, we've got old familiar habits that when things get tough, we flick back into. Maybe it's judgment. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's hatred. Maybe it's fear or self-hatred. Don't look back tonight. You look at Moses and, uh, and the amazing exodus that happened when um, he led the Israelites out of slavery and took them the most amazing miracle. They witnessed with their very eyes and they saw the whole Red Sea part as they walked through. I don't reckon we get a revelation. I don't. I know this sometimes. I don't get a revelation of exactly what that must have been like or the amazing accounts in the Word. You know what? When things started to get hard for them, just a little bit, you know that what they did? They resorted to grumbling. Oh, I wish we were back in Egypt. I, I wish God had left us to die there because it's far better than this. When we don't know <clears throat> where He's leading us, when we're in a new place, but a hard season where He's refining us, it is so easy to look back. Look back at the old and say, well, at least I knew that. At least I knew fear. At least I knew hatred. At least I knew self-pity. Tonight, don't look back. The same friend I was talking to the other night um, made some amazing decisions in her life and, and decided um, that she would not let old things define her. And I want to ask you that question tonight. What defines you? What are you knowing for, especially when you're in a hard season? Are you knowing for the old things, the old nature? Are you knowing for your unbelief? Are you knowing for your judgments or the self-hatred? What are you knowing for? What will define you? Is it your fear? Or will you be defined by what God says about you? that you've saturated yourself in the Word of God and you know what He says about you. You know that even though it feels like He's not there, that He says, I never, ever, ever, ever leave you, that He will make a way for you in the wasteland and He'll make streams in your desert. I love the Scripture. It says this. This is a great one for when you're in a hard season. It says this, I lift my eyes. I lift my eyes to the hills, and where does my help come from? It comes from you, O oh God, the maker of the heavens and the earth. Where are your eyes tonight? Are they on your old things? Jesus. I want to ask you a question tonight. When you're in a hard season, what comes up in your life? There's an amazing account in the Bible, and it's found in the Gospels. Actually, it's found in all four of them in it. And it talks about the, um, when Jesus was on the cross and he's hanging there and he's crucified. And the two thieves are hanging beside him. And when he's in the hardest place of his life. You know, he didn't cause himself to be there. He did it for us. He did it for love. And one of the thieves gets bitter and cynical and says, if you think you're the son of God, then save yourself and save us. I want to ask you something tonight. How many times when you've been walking in a hard place, have you started to blame God? Have you started to become cynical in your heart? 
Where are you, God? You said, you said you'd come. You said you'd do this. How many times? You know what? I know I've been there. You said, God, but you said, I thought it was going to work out like this. How many times do we become like the thief on the cross? You said you're the son of God. Get yourself off and get us off too. When the pressure comes on, what happens in your heart? Do you get angry or bitter? Maybe you start to think, God, I can't feel you, so you must mean you don't love me. Who is your God tonight in the valley? He says, I make a way in the wasteland and I make streams in your desert tonight. So who is your God? Is it self-pity? Is it rejection? Is it fear tonight? Or is it the Lord of hosts? Because you know what? He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love, a kindness beyond words. He wants to see you prosper. But more than that, he wants relationship with you. And the last thing tonight, when you're in a hard place, when you're in a season of fire, of refining tonight, speak faith into your future. Speak it out. Speak faith into your dreams. I thank you, God, that you are for me and you are not against me. I love something David did. See, he didn't get bitter or cynical, but he reminded God of his promises. And so sometimes tonight we need to remind God of his promises with a grateful attitude. I thank you, God, that when I lift my eyes to the hills, you are my help. You are my fortress. Something Pastor Mike said recently, he said this, faith is the currency of heaven. I love that. In Hebrews 11, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know what? Faith is a substance. It's real. It's tangible. It's not a feeling, although when it's present, you do feel it. It's a substance. And just in finishing tonight, the end of um, Ezekiel 37, not the end, sorry, and about um, verse 8. Actually, it's before then. God says this. He says, can these bones live? And he says, my desire is to put breath in them again and breathe upon them. Tonight, God wants to put breath into you. He wants to put, it doesn't mean he's going to take you out of your hard season because he wants to refine you because he wants you to walk in the fullness of who he's called you to be. But tonight he is with you. And tonight he wants to bring hope. It says, indeed, as I looked and as he breathed, suddenly there was a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Tonight, God wants to breathe on your life. He wants to breathe on your dreams. And he says, indeed, as I looked, the sinew and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them. God wants to put flesh back on your dreams tonight. Back on your hopes. Back on your heart tonight. At the start of the meeting, I asked you a question. Do you know my king? Do you know him tonight? Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ. You don't know who I talk about tonight. Well, I want to tell you tonight, without him, 
Without him, my life has no meaning. Tonight, Jesus Christ, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And he lived as a man. And every temptation that is common to man came his way. Yet he was without sin. He didn't sin. And tonight, he went of his own free will. And he was nailed to the cross in appalling, appalling death. And he did that for you and I, so that we wouldn't have to carry the weight of our sin, so that we could have relationship with him. Tonight, we still have that opportunity. And if you're here tonight, and you don't know him, I want to give you an opportunity as we just close our eyes tonight. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you tonight that your heart is that every person would have an opportunity to know you. So if you're here tonight, really quickly, I'm not going to draw it out. But if you think, I I, want to know Jesus Christ. I want to know this man that you talk about. I want to introduce you tonight to Michael.